welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. You can follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast and be sure you check out our Patreon page and become a patron today. www.patreon.com slash Speak a Dogcast. Yes, all kinds of great dog training content, information, all good stuff. Become a patron of my show today and help the podcast grow, guys. Fantastic. I love it. Now, I do apologize. Our YouTube channel, it's going to have a little bit of delay. Um, we've had some technical difficulties going on and unfortunately just have to delay the release a little bit. The fun of working with technology, guys, I tell you. So give me just a little time. I promise that YouTube channel is coming. But in the meantime, you can visit my Patreon page, my Instagram, all kinds of great content getting up there now. So go check it out. Now, on today's show, our first segment is going to be first-time dog owners. Yes, this is a segment just for you guys. Anybody new to the game? (laughs) It's a lot. There's so much information, so much to disseminate. So I'm going to help you guys out, uh, give you some good information on training tools, all the good stuff to get you going for first-time dogs dog owners. Now, the next segment is going to be, are you present with your dog? That's an important question that we have to ask. Are you present and aware with your dog? We'll talk more in depth about what that segment's about. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. If you guys have questions for that listener Q&A, just keep them on coming at me. Send them on over. Email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or feel free to message me on social media. Now, before we get going with today's show, I have to give you today's trivia question, and today's question is going to be, what president made the name Fido synonymous with dogs? Yes, what U.S. president made the name Fido synonymous with dogs? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, first time dog owners. Yeah, it can be tough, right? It can be tough when you don't know what to expect when it comes to a dog. Look, if you never lived with a dog, you didn't grow up with a dog, it's tough to know what goes into it, right? So it's one of those things, like, especially with coronavirus and everything that's happened, dog adoptions, dog, dog ownership is up in this country. It's up big time. And so a lot, there are a lot of first time dog owners out there. And look, even worse, there is more information than you could ever go through and ever decipher on what's good and what's bad. It's a good thing that there's info out there. It also can be a bad thing. So, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to lie. I don't envy the first time dog owner in 2023. <laughs> oh, there's just so much information to disseminate, you know, it's it, ridiculous. Um, <laughs> hey, but hopefully you'll listen to this podcast and you're going to love this information. I hope. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk about first time dog ownership, you know, what to expect, what to do how to set yourself up for success, maybe some training tools we'll talk about, uh, some do's, some don'ts. There's a lot that goes into this. So whether you just adopted a puppy, bought a puppy, adopted an older dog, maybe a dog that's got some issues, we're going to talk about all that a little bit, right? So, you know, interestingly enough, one of my dogs, Violet, she's an eight-year-old golden retriever, and she was not originally my dog. She actually had one previous owner, and they were in their 40s, you know, in a nutshell here, let's try to give the story of Violet in a nutshell. Uh, they were in their 40s, they had never had a dog before, neither one of them, not in their childhood, not in his adult, and now they have four children. Bring a new dog, new puppy <laughs> into the mix. And look, Violet came to them with some very interesting bad issues. <laughs> now, I say interesting because she was not a rescue dog. It's not like, as far as we know, anything traumatizing happened to her. Um, 
is whatever happened to the breeder with the first few weeks of life. There, it is amazing the first few weeks of life things can happen. It's then the mom's... Anyway, I'm trying to make a long story short and I'm rambling on. Um, owners never had a dog. They came to the conclusion they just weren't dog people. You know, we actually, we, we fixed all Violet's problems. She was doing great with them. But just overall, they really, they just they realized, you know, we're not dog people. And that's okay. It's totally fine. Um, I would rather people make that decision and, and give the dog a better home than make everybody's life miserable. The dog, the people, you know, nobody's going to be happy if you don't want the dog. Again, nothing wrong with that. So they were going to hold on to her and rehome her once they found a good home. You know, they weren't just going to give her up to anybody. And they, they reached out to me. They knew I loved her. They knew my wife loved her. And hey, there it was, you know, we took her. <laughs> and now she's our wonderful dog. But first time dog owner, I mean, that's the thing. How would these people know that they're truly dog people without living it every day, without raising a puppy, without really seeing day to day what goes into it? And so that's the thing, you know, you can watch your friends and family have dogs, but if you've never done it, it's tough to know. So let's, let's dive into it. You know, first time dog owners, guys, look, first and foremost, you have to understand a dog is not a person. Right? Simple enough. A dog is not a human being. I know that some of you are like, David, come on, seriously, you're really telling me that? Yeah, unfortunately, yes, I have to say this for, for some people. I, I, like, I'm sorry, I really am. But I have to remind some people that dogs are not people. They're dogs. And therefore, they're wired different, differently. They think differently. And even though I can't fully quanti- quantify and qualify it, they feel differently than you or I do. Now, people don't like to hear this, but this is the cold hearted truth. Dogs are dogs. If they weren't, we wouldn't call them dogs, am I right? So we have to accept the fact that a dog is hardwired differently than we are, and therefore, their instinctual needs, the way we communicate with them, all of these things are going to, therefore, they're going to be different. We have to approach it differently, think about it differently, take a different perspective on it in order to work with our dogs in a way that's going to work for them and work for us. So first and foremost, first-time dog owners, a dog is a dog is a dog, and let's not forget that. They're domesticated wolves at the end of the day, right? No matter how much I domesticate a dog, no matter how cute and fluffy they get, in the back of their brain, we still have a domesticated wolf. We still have a wolf in there. Just like with us, guys, in the back of our brains, we still have Neanderthal, and you know we're not going to get into that argument today, but you get what I'm saying. There's instinctual, um, hereditary, evolutionary factors playing a role with something as simple as a dog, right? So it's a lot to think about. I know it's a lot to think about this new thing. You're like, wow, David, domesticated. I thought I was here. I was thinking I was getting this cute little Pomeranian and you're telling me I have a wolf on my hand. To some degree. Yes, you do. Uh, (laughs) Okay. But it's important that you understand that because the way we fulfill an animal's needs is by understanding what they are at their core. Okay. So look, I implore you, go do your own reading, go do your research, you know, find out what a dog is. Listen to more podcast episodes. We have some great episodes on it. Definitely want to check out more on that, guys. So many great segments. I mean, we're at, what, 114 now. It's so cool. And again, guys, got to give that selfless selfless plug time. If you love what you're hearing, right? Subscribe to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash speakadogcast. You guys can become a patron of my show. I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, Help the podcast grow. And of course, you guys can get uh, even more content in return. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Uh, All right. First time dog owners, you got to, I mean, you got to have the information, right? Got to have the access to the information. So, okay. So now let's talk about more practical type things. When we talk about bringing in a dog, you know, now we, okay, we understand a dog is a dog. So therefore they're kind of, they're wired in a hierarchy, that pack mentality. All right, we got that going. Now let's think about rules and boundaries. 
wait, David, we're not going to talk about playtime and affection next? No, no, we're not. We're going to talk about rules and boundaries first. You know, I'm going to dig up that video. I have the video of, um, of me introducing Riker as an 11-week-old puppy, me bringing him into the house. And it's a, a couple short clips of him coming into my pack greeting him. And do you know how I brought him in the house, guys? On a leash. And as a matter of fact, I let my dogs come outside. Uh, well, my, he was my dog at that point, but you get what I'm saying? My established pack. I let them come out onto the patio and meet him out on the front porch. And we did it in a controlled way. I didn't just let him come in and have a free-for-all. Okay? The first boundary was set. The second Riker walked on to my front porch, not even into the house. The second he's on the porch, he's leashed up. There's already that boundary of we're going to create control. And so that way he understands this leash is on him, 11 weeks old. Cool. This thing creates control for me. I feel safe. The sooner I can create boundaries and rules, this is more to the point, guys, right here. The sooner I can create boundaries and rules and limitations, the sooner your dog is going to understand it. But if we just kind of had a free-for-all and I let my dog come in and, you know, I just kind of let him run all over the house and it's a new dog and they don't... We're kind of setting ourselves up for failure there, you know? Um, so it's important that we start setting boundaries from the beginning. Look, when I bring a new dog into my house, uh, even just for something like a boot camp, they're a brand new dog, I don't just take off the leash and let them go. We take it slowly. Okay, normally I'll have my dog sit back at the door. They're going to sit and wait. I open the front door and we sit out on the front porch with the new dog and my dogs wait inside. And we all sit there for a couple minutes just getting smell. We're nowhere near each other. They can't get near each other. We take it slow and to the point that once I finally get them inside, they're still leashed up. I take them around the house and I guide them on leash, controlled. I don't just let it be a free-for-all right away. I establish the rules and boundaries first. Then once I feel everything's good and I, I feel like we control is there and they're doing, then I'll pop off the leash. But it's so important. It's, it's just, it's so important to lay down the boundaries and rules first. Now, again, I give this example, but I, I don't even know what school is like now for kids nowadays. I can't even imagine for the teachers. So let's not get it. But back in my day, <laughs> back in my day, when I was in school, teachers weren't your best friends uh, at the beginning of the school year. They just weren't. They were not your best friend. It usually took a couple months for them to start to let down their guard a little bit. And it's a very simple reason. It's funny because my mom, even she was a teacher years and years ago, and they were taught this in college and school and teaching. You can't just let it be a free-for-all and be the student's best friend. And then a month, two months into school, all of a sudden you need to reel that in. And the students are going to be like, hey, it's been a free-for-all. I'm not, mm -mm, I'm not listening to you now. But if you start as a strict teacher, think back to you know, your childhood. I think back to my teachers that were really strict the first, like, oh, my God, this is the strict teacher. Usually by a couple months in, they relaxed and they were some of my favorite teachers and we ended up having really good relationships. Why? Because they established rules and boundaries first, their expectations first. Then comes the affection. Then comes the reward, right? So people think they bring a new dog in and the first thing they need to be doing is coddling them and giving them nothing but affection and treats and food and anything they want and freedom and do whatever. Quite the opposite, guys. Quite the opposite. Your dog is going to thrive and succeed under more rules and boundaries to start with. And then once we know they can meet those expectations, what they, once they know what the boundaries and rules are, once you've given that information, then we can let the rules back a little bit, right? Reward, you can't reward behavior when they haven't given you, you know what I mean? Like you can bring in a new, new dog in and you're just going to reward them like crazy when they haven't even done anything. Not a good idea, guys. So new dog owners, don't be afraid to provide rules and boundaries to your dog. 
You must. You need to. It's necessary. It's an absolute. All right? So rules, boundaries, discipline. If you don't want your dog on the couch, don't let them get on the couch. Don't be afraid to use the word no. Don't be afraid to redirect your dog. Don't be afraid to take the collar and guide them away. Give a little correction. Nothing wrong with that, guys. There's nothing wrong with small corrections to your dog. It provides a rule and it provides a boundary. Now, equally on the other side, if you don't want your dog on the furniture as an example, and I guide them off with that collar, once they get down off the couch and they're down, I'm gonna say, hey, good boy, and give them a treat. They keep staying and continuing to stay off the couch, good boy. They go and go lay down on their dog bed and because they walked away from the couch, good boy, give them affection and love, right? It's not one-sided. I can't just give the discipline and expect the dog, well, I gave the discipline, why isn't he doing what I want? Because you didn't tell them what you like. <laughs> discipline tells them what you don't like, rules and bet, right? That boundary tells them where to stop. But the only way to keep them on that side of that boundary, to keep them, is to reinforce and strengthen that behavior. Does that make sense, right? You hear what I'm saying here? So you have to strengthen what you like and punish and weaken and decrease what you don't like. All right? So... That's the biggest thing when it comes to having a new dog. Your boundaries and your rules need to be black and white, need to be crystal clear, and you need to reinforce when they do what you like, and you need to punish and redirect when they do what you don't like. That's simple, guys. Keep it simple. Now, with that said, let's move on to the next thing. Keeping it simple, guys. Keeping it simple. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. My favorite saying. I love it because when it comes to dogs, we need to keep it simple. Look, I love dogs, and they're very smart creatures. But the reality is the processing capabilities, they're very simplistic, very, very simplistic and very black and white. It is or it isn't, right? There's no, no gray area. It is or it isn't. And so the more you can keep it simplistic for your dog, the quicker and easier they can understand. The more you sit and have a conversation, oh, Fluffy, why'd you do that? I had a boo bird to bird in one ear and out the other. You know what I'm saying? But if I go, Fluffy, no. Fluffy, uh -uh, no. And then they stop doing it and they go, oh, good boy, Fluffy, good, here's your treat. Maybe girl Fluffy, you know, who knows, whatever. Um, <laughs> okay, you see what I'm saying? You're communicating with your dog, giving them that reinforcement and that punishment, but I'm keeping it very simple. I'm not having a conversation with them. I'm not making, I'm, no, I'm emoting and, oh, Fluffy feels this way right now, so that's why he's doing, no, it's just he's doing this, I don't like it. Hey, stop doing that. Did you stop doing it? Yeah, good, gonna reinforce it, good boy. Keep it simple, guys. Keep it simple. Your dog doesn't need to eat every day at 5 p.m. I promise it doesn't need to happen. It really doesn't. You've just conditioned that behavior and strengthened it so much that the dog is literally thinking this is what it's supposed to do. It's not that it needs to, it's you conditioned that behavior, okay? This is what I'm talking about with keeping it simple with your dogs. Are you feeding your dogs enough meals in a day, guys? Then guess what? They're, they'll be fine. They can wait till 5.30 or 6 o'clock. They'll be just fine, okay? Uh, <laughs> keep it simple. Another thing I've noticed lately, and look, I, <sighs> another thing I've noticed lately when it comes to, to dogs is people are letting their dogs rule their lives. You know, that, it's the same kind of thing. Like, oh, we have to be home at 5 o'clock because Fluffy's got to eat. Why? Like, I, guys, I love dogs. I love them to the point that I made a career out of it. You know what? Like, I love my dogs. But I'm not going to sit here and mold my entire life around them. Look, I personally feel the same way about children. I don't think people should mold their lives around children the way they do. I think children should be a part of your life. I think children and dogs should be incorporated as a integral, important, and number one priority part of your life. Sure. But to rule it, to, to control it to the point that it, you can't be flexible to control. 
You know, like you're going to raise an inflexible dog. You're going to raise an inflexible child. Um, <clears throat> you're going to raise a child that doesn't know how to go with the flow. You know what I'm saying? That's what happened. What what, like think of, think of your friends, dogs and children, uh, mostly dogs. Cause I don't want to get in trouble with parents here. Uh, think of dogs, <laughs> think of dogs. Okay. That are OCD, right? Like let's, let's look at it like as obsessive. Think of your friends, dogs that have obsessive issues, obsessive tendencies, and your own, your friends have to, oh my God, we have to be home at this time for this reason. And you can't do this for this. And you can't do that for that. And you behave, oh, it's all just behavioral patterns that have actually been created by the owner. So little side note, don't let your dog rule your life. There's no reason. You know why? Because dogs are amazing. This is just it, guys. Dogs will mold themselves to whatever information you put out there. So if you let them rule you, you let them control you, you let them bark and demand things of you, guess what they're going to keep doing? That. <laughs> but if you don't let them do that, guess what they're not going to do? That. Okay? Like you get what I mean? It's all what you allow behaviorally. So new dog owners, don't be afraid to tell your dog no, and don't be afraid to not let your dog rule your life. They shouldn't. They should be a part of your life, an important part of your family, and involved in your life, not surrounding your life. You get what I'm saying? There's a fine line and there's a big difference. Okay. Um, now let's talk about tools, right? Training tools. Look, we're just kind of kind of run through them real quick. I will say this. While dogs are an investment and they are expensive, and most of your expense is going to go to veterinary care, I think people spend way too much money at the pet stores, just being honest. There's nothing wrong with getting enrichment and, and treats and toys. There's nothing wrong with getting those things for our dogs, guys. But does Fluffy really need 300 toys in his toy bin? No. No, he doesn't. Would a dog be just as happy chewing a stick as they will the latest and greatest toy? Most of them, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Dogs are simplistic. Look, it's not to say there aren't amazing toys out there. It's not to say there isn't amazing enrichment that you can go buy your dog at the store because that's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I think most people go overboard. I think people buy 12 different kinds of treats and you just don't need that, guys. One or two, maybe two or three at most. Um, you just don't need to go overboard with this stuff. And, and if for that matter, we know we have an obesity problem with our dogs in this country. We do. Dogs are obese. The number one most preventable disease in all of pets is obesity. It's the number one disease that dogs, get, dogs, pets get cats. Okay. It's the number one disease they all get that is preventable. It's one of the most common diseases in this country with pets is obesity. And you know why? Because we're buying too many treats. Number one. Number two, we're not exercising our pets. Hmm. Uh, and number three, oh, did I mention we're buying too many treats? <laughs> we're overfeeding them, guys. Okay, so you don't need to go buy 50,000 different kinds of treats. Just keep it simple. Well, again, while they can be expensive, you guys can lessen the expense by not buying ridiculous stuff for your dogs. I'm just being honest. Look, new dog owners, you need bowls. They got to eat out of something. They got to drink out of something. You need a leash. You need a collar. Six foot regular old nylon leash, maybe a leather leash. None of these stretchy ones, none of the extendable ones. Get rid of that crap, guys. A regular six foot nylon leash. Then you're going to want a martingale collar. And this martingale collar is going to be two thirds nylon, one third chain. The chain actually kind of pulls the nylon pieces together. That's the concept, right? Um, I'm going to be, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to need to post a picture and a link of that on my Instagram. So, I'll do that soon. Um, okay, uh, from there, we have the collar, we have the leash, we have bowls. What about a crate? Absolutely, I'm all for crate training, especially if you have a puppy, guys. You definitely are going to need a crate. Please go buy a crate. Um, you need to do it. Treat pouch and treats. Yes, yes, 
Yes, for training purposes, we're going to need that, okay? Look, beyond that, you have like poop bags. Sure, you're gonna need that. You do not need P-mats. Don't get me started on the P-mats. Very few of you out there are going to actually need to use the P-mats, all right? So just pee pads, whatever. Let's not, I'm not going down that road today. Um, but really, off the top of my head, just kinda, I mean, I really, I didn't even wanna make a list. I just wanted to spitball it as I'm going. That's it. You don't need much more to get started. It's not to say your dog doesn't need chew toy and toys. Excuse me. Oh, I forgot toys. Come on, David. That wasn't nice. Toys. Of course you need some toys for your dog. But again, I don't need three dozen toys, okay? Your dog doesn't need three dozen toys. Um, I need a few of them. And then go outside and chew on a stick. All right. Come on, guys. Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple. We're overcomplicating this stuff with our dogs. Again, it's not to say there isn't a bunch of great products. It's not to say there aren't great products out there. I just think it gets a little overdone. That's all. Keep it in perspective when you're buying stuff for your dog and there's no need to go overboard. I would rather you see you guys take some of that money you're spending there and put it in a savings account for your dog. Let's talk about that in a moment. Pet insurance. I'm not the biggest fan of pet insurance, okay? There's a lot of complications to it. Most of the pet insurance that, that you'll find, you actually have to pay for these things up front and then they might reimburse you. So if you're already paying for it up front, what's the point of the insurance? See what I'm saying? Like, just, just put some money aside, guys. And the other thing is they may not end up covering it. And then if they don't end up covering it, then you're out the money anyway. So the way I see it, I'd rather you guys take a little money, put it in an interest-bearing savings account, let it add up, guys, because the emergencies are not going to be every day for your pet. So it should be, you should be able to get months and months, if not years of growth out of that. Uh, and then you've got a little nest egg there, right? Let's be smart about our pets. They're going to cost you money, so be prepared for it. Now, there is something to be said. The Care Credit pet uh, credit card is actually can be can be good. Uh, sometimes they offer deals where they'll do like no interest for a year in equal payments. Uh, so things like that can be phenomenal, but you gotta be careful with that credit card stuff, guys. The interest rates can bury you, and you've gotta be aware of what you're signing up for. Be a smart consumer and read what you're actually signing, okay? Um, you know, it... A new dog can be a lot, and that's just it. I could keep going. I really could, and I had to kind of end the list I mean, like right about in here uh, because we really could keep going. There's a lot to know, but when it comes down to it, you guys just need to keep things simple. Keep it simple with your tools. Keep it simple with your training. Keep it simple with your rules and boundaries. Now, a few more things. I'm going to give you a couple more things here. Let's say we have a dog who... Um, it has some triggers, right? Let's say we've adopted an older dog and they've come to us with some issues. Guys, first and foremost, I'm gonna say this. Look, if your dog has any kind of aggressive tendencies, please hire a professional. If you don't know what you're doing, and even if you do, I've met people who've been like, look, I've adopted five dogs over the years. They've had issues. We've solved them. They've been great. This one I just can't figure out. It happens. It happens, guys. So don't be afraid to reach out to a professional and talk to them. Bare minimum, get some perspective, get some advice, see where you go from there. Uh, speaking of, selfless plug again, please feel free to reach out to me. Our virtual training programs are growing. They're doing great, and I'd love to hear from you guys. So if you want to try to work with me with some virtual training, we can do that. And uh, you guys can reach out to me for a consultation. Maybe, I, you know, I, and sometimes this happens. Sometimes I might feel that, hey, maybe you would benefit better from a one-on-one -on -one in-person feel. Uh, sometimes that is the case with these more severe issues. But hey, we can talk about it. I can give you my, my uh, best advice on it. We can go from there. So feel free to reach out to me. You can email me questions at speakadogcast.com. Now, behaviorally, guys, you know, we talked about what to allow and what not to allow. One other thing I want to make a note of is the socialization. I think it's one of the biggest missed opportunities, if you will, uh, when you have a new dog and especially a puppy. 
I'm not just talking socialization with other dogs. I'm talking socialization with people. It's important to get your dog out meeting a variety of people. And I know this sounds crazy, like tall people, short people, kids, uh, people with high-pitched voices. Your dog needs to experience it all because I've seen a dog like run in and they've never seen a tall person before. This six-foot-six guy comes in and the dog is like scared of him. So it's important to get your dog out into public and experience meeting all different kinds of people, socializing with different people so they're comfortable with everybody in any environment. From the dog side of it, you know, uh, puppies, guys, you know, get them out there. Be careful. You know, obviously make sure your dog has had all their shots and vaccinations before you expose them to too much in the world. That's for the puppies, right? Um, but get them out there, guys. Friends, family, call your friends and family that have well-behaved dogs, if they do, hopefully, uh, you know, and socialize them with well-behaved dogs. Dog parks can be a little bit of hit or miss. You know, you new dog owners out there, I'm, I'm telling you now, dog parks are a double-edged sword. Uh, you might find a great dog park by you, and that's awesome, and more power to you. Some places, you know, we've got, you've got great owners and great other dog owners out there and great dogs, and that's phenomenal. But a lot of times they can be not so great. And look, you'll, you'll talk to other trainers, you'll talk to veterinarians, and you'll hear a lot of that kind of same consensus of we're not always the biggest fan of a dog park. A lot of bad stuff can happen there, disease, fights breaking out. I mean, we've, we've seen and heard it all. So take that with a grain of salt. Just saying, you know, just think about it. Um, but I prefer doggy day camps. I prefer a professional setting with professionals monitoring the behavior. Obviously do your due diligence, check out these places, get referrals, make sure you're sending your dog to a safe place. Um, but you gotta do it guys. That socialization is so important to creating a well-rounded dog, both with people and with dogs. Get your dogs out there and socialize them. And of course, the one thing we're gonna end with today for all you new dog owners, what's the number one most important thing the number one most important thing for training, working, and creating a healthy, well-rounded dog. It's the walks, guys. You knew it was coming. There it is. You've got to get out there and walk your dog, and you have to do it properly. Don't forget, walks are 85% mental and only 15% physical, right? If you're new to my podcast, you're a new dog owner, I highly, highly recommend go back and check out all of my segments on the walks. There are so many of them now, so many different ways we look at it. But at the end of the day, guys, you've got to get your dog engaged on a mental walk and not so much a physical one. The physical one will come with it if you get that mental side going. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to those episodes on the walk, all right? And of course, guys, again, if you love what you're hearing, support me on Patreon, become a patron. You can visit that site at www.patreon.com slash speakadogcast, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon. Yeah, check it out, guys. Become a patron today. Get some more great dog training content coming at you. It's just going to grow. The more patrons we get, the more content we're going to be able to provide. So I really appreciate all the love and support. Thank you guys so much. And congratulations to all you first-time time dog owners out there. Good luck, and let me know if you guys have any questions. More than happy to help out. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, 
and train with pet owners around the world. Together, we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, are you present with your dog? Good question. Yes, because here's the thing. We're all distracted. We are. You know, uh, how could you not be with the way life is today? And that's just it. I, I caught myself. I caught myself getting way too involved in my stupid phone. And it's happened once before where I've realized I'm on this damn thing too much. And look, part of it is, yes, a social media podcast. I got to be. But there's other times when you just you scroll, don't you? And you just keep scrolling and you discover you're not as present in life as maybe you should be. And look, while I'm one to say, please listen to my podcast, support me, go to my Patreon page, become a patron. Uh, (laughs) While I definitely have to say those things, I'm also a huge advocate of putting your phone down. You know, and that's why today's a good reminder because I caught myself. I caught myself not paying attention. And thank goodness nothing horrible happened, but you know, you can't do that. You can't just do that all the time. And so I'm calling myself out on it to to remind myself to put the damn thing down. And I'm calling you guys out on it because I know you're bad about it too. And I think that's one of the biggest factors, variables, whatever you want to call it, that gets in the way of our dog training is our stupid phone. I know it sounds so ridiculous when you think about it, but guys, Go look at your phone right now, and I've told you to do this before. Go look at your phone, especially iPhone users. I don't know if Droid does this or Google, whoever's making the other. I've been an Apple user for so long, I'm not going to lie. I don't even know anything else anymore. Um, Go look at how your screen time. Go look at how much you're on your phone in a week, a day, an hour. And I think it'll scare the living hell out of you. Because we weren't designed to bend over with our necks crinked like this. My chiropractor gives me all the time. Uh, The way I look at my phone, rightfully so because I'm going to kill my neck. And it's going to be incredible in 20 years to see what's going to happen to society, not just from a physical standpoint, but a mental standpoint. And it's funny, I was watching, uh, I wasn't watching. (laughs) Uh, My wife likes to watch some shows I don't love. And I'm watching, look, it's pure entertainment to her. I get it to some degree. Uh, (laughs) I can get it for entertainment's sake. And I'm just watching this because, you know, she has it on and I'm going, society doesn't know how to communicate anymore. We don't know how to communicate our feelings, our emotions. And I feel like this is why we're seeing this uptick in, in teenagers and violence and all of these things is because we're not taught how to express ourselves anymore. And I mean, I'm even a little guilty of it as, you know, a kind of edge of millennialness. I'm on the very end, arguably not even a millennial. I like to argue that I'm not. Um, And I have to admit, you know, like you think back to history and and a couple hundred years ago and how we used to write letters to each other. I saw somebody post online the other day that he had his dad or grandfather used to send, used to play chess through the mail to somebody in their home country in Europe, to, to their, to their brother. And so literally, guys, I mean, younger people, are you hearing me? They played chess over the mail, a.k.a. they wrote down their chess move on a piece of paper and a letter, mailed it, took a week to get there, maybe even two weeks back, because this was a while ago, they said, two weeks for the letter to even get there. They open the letter, they see that, they make the move, then they make their move, write their move in a letter, send it back a week or two later, 
it would take three years to play one game of chess. <laughs> People today can't even imagine that. And so that's my point. We used to communicate through letters. We used to communicate through, through more artistic forms, poetry. And, and we just, we don't do that anymore. We don't have to. We have this instant gratification. And I mean, I'm guilty of it. It scares the hell out of me. How everything is just right there. And the thing is, the point I'm getting to is animals don't work that way. There's no such thing as instant gratification in the animal kingdom. It just doesn't happen. They have to work for everything. And human beings used to be that way up until the 20th century, guys, and even well into the 20th century in a lot of places around the world. And even continuing to this day, how many human beings have to still fight just to survive? Animals are not meant to have instant gratification. And I believe that it is having such a profound effect on the way we think, on the way we function, and eventually on our genes and, and the way we reproduce and become as a human. They, like, we've seen it through evolution of animals that these things happen over time. We start de-evolving and evolving all these. And it makes you wonder when we throw in this, this technology variable, when we throw all this crap into here, and it's so anti-animalistic, then how can we do anything but check out from our animals? You know, it's tough. It's tough because this is just, you know, it's like, it's this tough thing with technology because on one side, here I am able to connect with dog owners and pet owners around the world. It's something I couldn't have even comprehended. You know, the world couldn't have comprehended 30, 40 years ago if we had said this, there's this podcast, there's on-demand radio where anybody, any Joe Schmo in their, in their bedroom in their house in Wolf Studios here uh, can, can create a radio studio in their home and put it out to millions, millions upon millions of people. I mean, can you think of how many people around the world can access the, this podcast if they wanted to? That's, that's crazy. Like, that's crazy when you think about it. And so there's this wonderful side of technology, and then there's the damaging side of technology. And as, as, as someone who works with animals on a daily basis, I, I, I see it, and I have to sit back and go, what are we doing to ourselves? I look at the disconnect between pet owner and dog, and I can't help but think that this little tiny phone has a big thing, a big, big chunk of it. Big chunk of the reason it's happening, this disconnect with owners and their pets. We've become so far removed from our animalistic instincts. And then we go and we put this all this fake crap in front of us and it just amplifies it. And all of a sudden we look at a dog and go, I don't know, how do I, how do I get it to stop barking? Dude, give it a correction and tell it to stop barking. You know what I mean? Like we're so afraid to be animals anymore and act like animals, and act like humans. I'm not saying act like a chaotic lunatic. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying act like a beast. I'm not saying act like It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is animals communicate through subtlety, through body language, through touch communication. And I feel like we are losing a little bit of that day by day. It's, it's, it's a little scary to me. So I implore you guys, put your phones down. I'm going to be trying to do the same over the next few weeks as much as I have to do it for work. And I know, look, I know some of you out there have to do it for work, but that's just it. If you have to do it for work, then you got to make the time to put it down when you're not working. You have to make that extra effort to disconnect from this. Sit down with your family and have a board game night. 
Go for a family walk with your dog. How about a true pack walk as a family? Look, that's my wife and I, we don't have kids. That's something that, hey, I have to admit, I've never really thought about that before. I'm a little envious. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool to take your whole pack on a walk. You know, that's that's something I can't say I've ever done, uh, except with other families. So, I mean, I've done it with my pack, but you know what I mean. We don't have kids. Don't get me wrong. I love my pack, and I'm thrilled we have the pack we do. <laughs> Very thrilled. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't take that the wrong way. Um, but that's just it, guys. Do stuff with your loved ones. Do stuff with your family. Experience life beyond these stupid little screens. Get out there, go for a hike, and experience the world around you. And you'll notice the more you do that, the stronger your connection and bond to your dog will be. David, that sounds ridiculous. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that doesn't make it less true. I, we're so far removed from our from our, our nature, our natural surroundings, that we put up all these artificial ones and we wonder why we have so much unhappiness in our life. You know, kids today, they don't go outside and play. They don't put down the video games. They don't augmented reality. And I feel so bad for kids today. I used to go outside, and even though I had a shih tzu, and you know, it's not like I was throwing a tennis ball with her, I'd take my dog outside to play with me. You know, she'd come hang out, and I'd play with my micro machines and Hot Wheels and stuff. I liked, you know. I used to go outside and collect lizards and 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 toads and get dirty and you know it it makes me sad that most kids don't do that nowadays and it makes me go what is going to be the impact 20 30 years from now with these kids who don't know how to communicate with their animal I can tell you it's not going to be good I can tell you that much so I implore you guys to get out there and experience the natural world Look, parents, if you can, send your kids to camp. My wife went to camp growing up, and, you know, hearing her talk about those experiences, it's so awesome. You know, I was really lucky. I did a lot of outdoor stuff. There's a puppy dreaming in the background if you hear that. Um, I was very lucky. I did it was a lot of outdoorsy stuff growing up. My, my parents really got us outside, um, a lot of water sports and, and, and outdoor activities and reg- sports and hiking. And, and, I mean, we just we did all kinds of outdoor camping all these amazing outdoor experiences. And so that's somewhat like that camp experience. And so look, if you guys have the means, send your kids to camp. It's so good for them. It's good for them to get out and be independent. Same thing for your dogs. Get them to doggy day camp. It's good for them to get away from you guys for a little while. Socialize, right? Um, but like it all interrelates. That's just it. It all interrelates. And I'm seeing this real bad disconnect with technology and people and their animals. You want to speak a better language to your dog. Put the phone down. Next on Speaky Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about Chester A. Arthur. Now, Chester Arthur, he was the 21st president of the United States, and he served from 1881 to 1885. Now, Arthur became president after the assassination of James Garfield. And he started his career in law and was admitted to the bar in 1854. Now, while practicing law, he was involved in many cases that involved civil rights. There was one such case where he represented Elizabeth Jennings Graham, an African-American woman who had been denied a seat on a streetcar because of her race. He won the case. Now, in 1859, he married Ellen Herndon, and together they had three children. But they never had any traditional pets. No dogs, no cats, or even a bird. No, Arthur's animal of interest was actually the horse. Now, he had a pair of reddish-brown bays who would draw his carriage, 
And the president might have even been, well, a little bit of a show-off. Uh, yeah, he was known to love to entertain, and he would oftentimes bring the horses out pulling the presidential carriage. And, uh, you know, the carriage was decorated with leather and lace and attached to the horses with silver harnesses. Now, President Arthur truly did love his horses, but really nobody knows exactly why the horse was his uh, favorite animal of choice. He was known to be a very private man, avoiding reporters. And even upon his deathbed, he had actually ordered that all his private papers be destroyed. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Kristen from California. Now, Kristen says, my husband and I are first-time dog owners. We recently just adopted an Australian cattle dog puppy two weeks ago, four months old. Now, listening to the podcast, I feel like we're doing good things so far, but it's definitely been a challenge. I had a specific question about walking your dog. I try to do the loose leash and she's always walking faster than me or pulling in another direction, so it's hard to keep the loose leash and have her next to me. Now, especially since she needs lots of exercise, I'm trying to make sure she's focused. Do you have any advice for us or specifically for her breed? We're trying to do the best we can and want to succeed. Kristen, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and thank you for the question. Uh, yeah, look, you know, hey, first of all, hats off to you getting an Australian cattle dog puppy as your first dog. Look, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. If you've listened, I don't know how much of the podcast you listen to, uh, but I don't like to sugarcoat things. And you maybe made it a little more difficult on yourselves than you maybe could have. Just being honest, look, it is a cattle dog. Cattle dogs are not easy. They're not the easiest dogs because look, you, you know it, you know it, right? They need a ton of exercise. So yeah, creating focus. Now look, first of all, four months old, just got the puppy two weeks ago. Don't be too hard on yourself. You know, two weeks, um, it's not that long a time. So don't be don't be too hard on yourself. It could take a little time. Now, I know we were kind of chatting a little bit there. Uh, we were talking about the Martingale collar. So first things first, um, and I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get this video up quickly, so I apologize, but I'll get a picture to you um, if I don't get this video up right away, which I, what am I saying? I know the video is not gonna get up right away. We're having some issues with our YouTube channel, um, but this is the Martingale collar right here. I'll do it anyway, I'm gonna show you. Um, like I said, Kristen, I will take a picture and send this to you, but this is the Martingale collar, okay? This is about two thirds nylon here and the one third chain. And what happens is we are going to pull on that chain and the nylon part actually constricts, right? That's the idea. And the way we wanna use these collars is never pulling and holding. I actually didn't use it there. We wanna pop and release, pop and release. That's the idea of these collars, okay? Um, so diving into it with that collar, you know, if you're not using that collar, I'll be, you know, it's going to be hard to make the correction. So hopefully you can get this collar, you'll get the correct collar on her. And what you're going to do is you're going to make little pop corrections, okay? You're going to have to make little corrections to redirect her. And the whole idea is we don't want to pull her, right? We don't want to be having that thing choke her or nothing like that. But we do want to make these little pop corrections where we actually can use the leash, pop and release it. And that way the idea, and look, it's a little easier to explain once we're actually diving into training, uh, but you want to pop and release it in a way that if you do it, diagonally, right? We're not going to correct straight up. We're not going to correct straight back. We're going to do a diagonal correction. What you'll find is when we do that correction diagonally, it actually will redirect your dog's focus back up to you. Okay. And if she looks at you, then you're going to tell her good girl and give her a treat. Now that's sort of the surface scratching the surface on, okay, and trying to get a loose leash and her walking with you. But to be honest, Kristen, it's actually going to start way back at the house. Let's, let's, let's rewind a little bit. Let's start at the house. First the exercise I want you to do is my kissing noise exercise. What you're going to do is you're going to get a treat, treat pouch, uh, treat pouch, excuse me, leash her up 
inside the house. And all you're gonna do is make a kissy noise, call her name, take the treat, maybe put it in front of the nose a little bit, and then take the treat and bring it up to your chin and get eye contact, right? So we're gonna kissy kiss, treat up to the chin, gain eye contact, say good girl. Hold the eye contact for a couple seconds and then feed her, okay? Rinse and repeat this quite a few times. Getting her to look at you, treat under the chin, get the eye contact, like the eye contact, reward, okay? And what we're starting to create is uh, and feel free to call her name too. Uh, didn't I uh, yeah, didn't get the name uh, name of your pup there, but feel free to add the name in with the kissy noise. Um, and the whole concept is I want her to understand when she hears her name, when she hears that noise, she's gonna redirect and look up at us. Okay. That'll start creating focus before you get out on the walk. Because yeah, you got a cattle dog. Once you get outside, that's a different thing, right? <laughs> so we have to start with a good foundation at home. And we have to start with trying to get a good redirection going at home and reinforce it a bunch before we get outside, okay? Um, look, this is gonna be a little easier said than done most likely, be just simply because of the breed. Yeah, you got a cattle dog, you gotta get out there and get the exercise. Um, you know, another option is I would recommend being that you are first time dog owners, it's going to be a good idea. You might want to hire a professional, either somebody in your area or feel free to, you know, reach back out to me. We can talk more, set up a consultation and we can do virtual training as well. Um, but I really would highly recommend that you probably you, you look into getting a professional simply because it is your first dog. There is so much information I can hand you right now on getting your dog to walk on a loose leash. But to be honest, We'll be here for another 30 minutes at least, <laughs> right? Can't do that today. Um, but that's the first foundational. Look, I can't stress it enough. The first foundational building block is that kissy noise and getting her to look at you. Having control over her focus before you get outside is going to be huge, okay? Uh, then, of course, getting that right tool on there, the right collar, the right leash, that's going to make a difference too. We want to make short, quick pop corrections with that collar to redirect her focus, Okay. Um, look, if she starts pulling one direction, if we have that martingale collar on, what you can do is make a correction and turn around and go the opposite direction. If she starts pulling the opposite direction, the second you turn, turn around and go back the other direction. You might find yourself in a 10 to 15 foot linear line going back and forth, but what you want to make her understand is every time she pulls and she tries to go that way, she gets the opposite result. Okay. So she starts understanding pulling isn't getting me anything. Then I can start combining that redirection, getting her to look at me. And before you know it, she's more interested in looking up at me than pulling or going 50 directions away from me. Right. Okay. It's a process. It is a process, Kristen. And this is why I would suggest getting with a professional, either finding somebody local in your area or reaching out to myself to do some virtual training. So I kind of hope that helps get that foundation laid because that's the important part. We can't just jump to having her perfectly walking at our side, lay the foundation at home first with that kissing noise, making sure that redirection is really strengthened. And then we can go from there. Next question. This comes from Lori from Tacoma, Washington. Got a West Coast thing going on today. Uh, Lori says, I have two dogs, a golden and a pit bull. They are amazing, well-behaved dogs, and I could not be happier with their training. Sounds like you put in a lot of work and time. Good job, Lori. Uh, but I had a question about two of their quirks. Love this. My golden likes to sleep under things. Furniture, really. Tables, beds, chairs, whatever he can get under. It's not a problem, and he's very graceful about it. Uh, my Pitbull, uh, he likes to curl up in a blanket like I have never seen a dog do before. He's obsessed with being wrapped up. He mostly does it when it's cold out, so I'm guessing he's cold. But what do you think about these silly behaviors? 
<laughs> Lori, thanks for the question. I like it. It's not, a, I love it because it's just a different question, right? It's something quirky and weird. Uh, you know, first things first, I will say I had a golden retriever who did the same thing. My male golden retriever, and I've noticed there is a consistent pattern. I, I'll say this over the years, I have seen this with goldens. It's not every golden, but there is enough consistency to it that I see goldens that dive. They, you know, my wife and I used to joke that. Colby would dive under the bed and you know, submarine dive, 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 burr, burr. You know, it was a joke, uh, being silly. Uh, but he loved sleeping under the bed at night. Colby also really loved his crate. I think it has a little bit to do with that den mentality, that pack den mentality. And that's why some dogs just really prefer that coziness. Um, Goldens tend to really like coziness, touch, mouthiness, touching. That's a, They're very tactile dogs. And so I think it's that same coziness, tactileness of having that den and why some dogs associate it with that. Some dogs are weird. Like I've got a female golden violet. She doesn't go under anything. She never has. I don't think she ever will. She's eight years old. She's never slept under furniture, but I can't, t- I'm, I'm sick. Over the years, there is a definite consistency to golden retrievers with this. So I can't exactly explain what goes on in their head, but behaviorally, that's what I can assess out of it. I can't go, hey buddy, why are you sleeping under the furniture, right? So without actually getting that exact answer from them, a little bit of a mystery, but again, we can take away the behavioral side, the instinctual side, and dissect that that's most likely what's happening. Now, as far as your pit bull, pitties are adorable, aren't they? Like, I, pit bulls love to snuggle in general. They really do. I see it. T- I've got one here. He's 40% pit, and he loves his blankets, Lori. He's the same way. Um, and especially when he was younger and he had his puppy coat. This is Riker I'm talking about. When he had that puppy coat and it wasn't really full and thick and filled, he got really cold and he would always wrap himself up. I have a chihuahua, same thing. She, if it's below 78 degrees, my chihuahua's cold. It's, it's that simple. She doesn't like the cold weather at all, and she will wrap herself up in a blanket. Yes, most of the time, out of warmth, of course. And especially, you've, you've seen the correlation, right? It's clearly that they're not as warm. Pitbulls have a thinner coat than a golden. Golden Retriever isn't going to want to wrap up in the blanket the same way a pit is. So yeah, it's definitely temperature related. Again, I think there's something to that snuggling den mentality too of wrapping themselves up where some dogs seek that out more than others. Um, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's hilarious how these dogs, <laughs> they'll literally just make this amazing little nest and rat and only the head will be sticking out or sometimes with Riker, we get the tail and the tail will be wagging out the back, you know? <laughs> So, yeah, you know, what do I think about these silly behaviors? They're silly. They're silly. That's why we love dogs is this kind of fun, silly stuff um, that's not not obsessive, not harming anybody, not harming themselves. I love silly behaviors like that, right, that are not uh, a bad thing behaviorally but are still fun. So that's kind of what I think of that, Lori. It's, you got a little instinct going on there. And definitely with your pit, I think he's probably a little bit cold too. So <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Thanks for the question, Lori. And thanks for listening to the podcast. The answer to today's trivia question, what U.S. president made the name Fido synonymous with dogs? It's Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Now, if you've been listening to the first pet segment, of course, you would have learned that a while back. Uh, figured we'd throw that bit of trivia at you today. Yes, Lincoln introduced the United States to his dog, Fido. Now, the name Fido is actually derived from the Latin term for faithful. Of course, very appropriate for a dog name. <music> That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday. And if you love what you're hearing, give me that five-star rating. Become a patron today on my Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash speakadogcast. Check it out. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. <laughs>